May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Our second reading is from 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9 and 13 through 15. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you are called, that you might inherit a blessing. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. This is God's word to God's people.
So when you uh, join the United Methodist Church, you uh, rehearse your baptismal vows. That's part of what uh, people go through. And then they pledge their loyalty to the church. And you'll hear the pastor say something like, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church with your prayers, presence, your gifts, and your service, and now your witness? And the person will answer, I will. And it is the person saying, yes, I am a Christian, and I want to live out my faith. I want to be this type of person here. I want to localize here with these folk to be the person that God would have me be. So in those five phrases, we get a sense of, of what's involved with living out the faith, with making our discipleship a real thing in our community and in our personal lives. We talk about prayer, that connection with God, our desire to let the Spirit grow within us. We talk about presence, about where we put our body showing where our allegiance is. We talk about gifts, the sharing of our gratitude over the blessings that we have experienced and our desire to empower the extending of those blessings to others through ministry. We talk about service, our engaging in ministries of caring and compassion and doing good to others through our church and beyond our doors into the community. And we talk about witness, which is the sharing of the life-redeeming story of faith in Christ Jesus. I have come to think that these five aspects, these five phrases, are ways by which we can get a sense of how we are doing as disciples of Christ. They can serve as a criteria for us to gauge our effectiveness in responding to God's love in our life and extending that out through what we say and what we do. How am I doing in my general witness of faith, we might ask ourselves. Are all the bases covered? Are, are the things I ought to be up to things I am engaged in? We can look at these five aspects of discipleship as a way by which to think seriously about our response to God's love in our life. Our prayer, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness. So our membership vows, I think, can become a, a handy marker for us to make sense of our stewardship of faith through our life of discipleship. So we're going to be talking about these things through the, the next the four or five weeks, and today we're going to look at the stewardship of witness. We're going to remind ourselves that we are called as disciples of Christ and as members of the United Methodist Church to share the gospel with others. So let's think about what a witness is. A witness is, is someone who can talk about or testify to something. A witness to a crime will tell the officers, uh, well, I had a good view of it. I could clearly see that he was driving down the street and the car was swerving left and right and left. And, and then he hit her. He ran into her. He's at fault. She, she didn't do anything. I saw it. I can bear witness to what occurred. Sometimes a witness is recounting 
something that's just a, a wonder and, and retelling it to friends or family. We like to hike, and so at twilight, we, we went up the mountain. We went on trail B, up the mountain, came around the corner, and there it was, the most marvelous sunset we have ever seen, kind of bouncing between the trees, reflecting over the sea over there. It was a God moment for us. It was beautiful. Witnesses sometimes say things like that, bring us into the experience that they have had. We're thankful for that. A witness informs, a witness explains, a witness corroborates. This is what I saw. It happened like this. I agree with her version. She's telling the truth. It was like that. Informs explains, corroborates. The first disciples were eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry, his death, his resurrection. And after the resurrection, they said, oh, <laughs> we get it now. We see what's going on. And so they gathered the stories. They gathered uh, the stories about what Jesus said, about what he did, the healings that he did. They brought those stories of Jesus together. They were witnesses to what had happened, and they had a story now to tell about Jesus. And they received the great commission from Jesus to, to do what? To bear witness. And they began by telling the stories of Jesus' ministry, of what happened during his passion, of the amazing event of his resurrection. And this telling of the stories of Jesus started to be the telling of their stories because Jesus' story had affected them and changed them. So they, they started to talk about themselves and what had happened to them because of their witnessing what happened with Jesus. And they became ambassadors, Scripture talks about, ambassadors of Christ, representatives of Christ. And as time passed, this Jesus movement spread and spread, and, and these aspects of faith and discipleship became a little more codified and part of an organizational thing that was moving through time. It was more than just sharing the story of Jesus and more than just sharing how that story impacted us. We started to try to help one another and equip one another to do what we felt led to do through faith. And so we fellowshiped together and we ate together, we broke bread together. We talk about presence now. We practiced worship and prayer, spiritual disciplines together, and, and we refer to that now just with the word prayer. They cared for the widows. They cared for the orphans. They cared for those who were on the margins of society, and we talk about that. Remind us of that today with the word of service. 
They pooled their money together. We talk about gifts nowadays. And they further developed and sophisticated the witness so that we developed a body of theology that became orthodox theology for making sense how God moved through Jesus and how God touches us with the Spirit. But it all was anchored on that initial testimony, witness of those first disciples, how it became their story, and then as the years passed, how their story became our story. Always at the core of this Jesus movement, of this church stuff, the telling of Jesus's story, the sharing of Jesus's love, so others would experience that wonder, that power, that healing, that transformation. Making the case for Jesus as Lord and Savior to this generation, to this generation, and inviting others to see if they can see Jesus that way too. In our time, with the challenges of our time, we need to see the sharing of the Christian message in that same kind of heightened and exciting movement of the spreading of God's word, the changing of history. We are called to get the word out. We are called to tell the story, to bear witness to its truth for us, and to encourage others to see the spiritual opportunity for them for life abundance. Now, I recognize that for us moderate or maybe a little more liberal United Methodists, we have not been very good at sharing the gospel, at telling the story. We live it well. I think we do live it well. We make the witness of the gospel our lives. And that is good. Yet, we are asked to try to find the way to share our faith verbally. And though we haven't been all that good at it, and maybe for various reasons, we're invited by God to get better at it, to find our way to bear a witness of the love of God in our lives, how it has touched and transformed us, and how it might actually do that for others. Now, I know for many people, it's, it's just something that just doesn't feel, doesn't feel right. I don't know, and if you were like me, perhaps in your young adult years, you had people around you at college or in the workplace who would come up to you uninvited 
who tried to pin you down in the corner somewhere, help you to feel crummy about your faith, and invite you to get it right with God by having their faith. You might have gone through something like that. Many of us did. Many of us did. And because of that, many of us have said, well, that is not what I want to do. I do not want to be like that. I don't want to be manipulative. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to get in people's faces for God. And I think that's good that you feel that way. I don't think you should get in people's faces for God. But I do think there is a comfortable way with the way you are with God and the words that you can choose for you to verbally share your faith at the right occasions with people that need to hear it. And I think our church and our faith movement asks us to do this. And perhaps even more so now with what's going on in our society. We are to find the language and discover the opportunity and bear the witness. So let's think about it. In, in the pilgrimage of faith, I guess maybe one of the first steps of that pilgrimage is to get exposed to God, to wake up to God, to learn about God, to learn about God's love for us, God's desire for our lives, God's willingness to help us live a good life. Oftentimes, people need to be awakened to God through the nudging of a neighbor or a friend or a family member. I see it like this. I see it like this. They may not have been thinking to go to this restaurant, or they may not have been thinking to go to that concert, and they're wondering out loud to you about their weekend, and you say, hey, go to that restaurant. This is a great restaurant. Great food. Whenever we can get out there, we go. We go to that restaurant. Or you know what? You might really like this concert. I have liked this band. This concert is great, or this choir is marvelous. Go to this event. And they go home, and they say, honey, you know what? I just learned from Charlie about this great restaurant. Good food. I think I want to try it. You want to go? Let's go. Or... There's a concert Friday night, and, well, you know what I'm saying. I think it's a lot like that. Now, we're talking about something more important than eating or entertainment. We're talking about the state of our souls and how well we're fitting into the, the rigors of life, how well we're managing it, but it's a similar thing. If Jesus has touched you and you feel that you have been healed, transformed, saved, given a new opportunity that you feel that you've been able to release your soul from chains, that you're free. If you have had experiences like that, that have dropped you to your knees and gotten you to say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord. If you've had anything like that, that's better than the restaurant. It's better than the concert. And there's some people who are hungering and thirsting for a clue about what to do with their guilt 
their shame, how to better manage their illnesses, how to get out of bed in the morning because of their depression or grief. And you've got something that you can say that's not manipulative, that's not pushy, that's life-giving, loving, and helpful. So the first step is, is helping people to awaken to God and, and encouraging them to, well, try God out. See what it's like. You're bearing witness to how God has been a good resource in your life is a nudge many people need to hear. The second step of when we think about the faith pilgrimage is, is going deeper with God through Christ Jesus. In, in some of the traditional languages, to invite Jesus to sit on the throne of, of your life, to live your life with Jesus as your inspiration, as your empowerment, as your guide. This comes through having a, a personal relationship with Jesus, taking the step from God as an idea, God as a concept, God as something we think about, taking the step from there to God as a love relationship with your soul. From head down to heart. I know a person who was reared in the church. She was baptized as, a, as an infant, and she was very knowledgeable about the faith. She had gone to Sunday school. She had all the, all the stuff in her head. Yet she really just didn't get this Jesus stuff. She didn't quite get it, his transformative power. She'd kind of be quizzical about, well, what's this stuff? Until she opened herself up to a personal relationship with Jesus. She prayed about asking Jesus to come into her life in a special, personal, intimate way. And then things changed for her. Radical changes happened for her. She was happier. She felt a little more whole. She felt a little more freed and alive. She felt more empowered to do what she thought were the right things with her life. Our lives ratchet up to a new spiritual level when we seek this kind of intimacy with God. And oftentimes, we need to be encouraged or nudged to take this next step of faith from head to heart and when someone bears witness to God's abounding grace in their life, to the tender mercies that they experience, to, to the abiding peace or the courageous conviction of their faith, when, when somebody bears witness to us about stuff like that, it serves as a nudge, it serves as an encouragement to go a little deeper with God, to see where that might go for us in our lives. To bear witness, I have come to discern, needs to 
needs to be accompanied by a decision that you're willing to do it. That you choose to be ready to do it. Our Peter passage encourages us to, to bear witness. And he says, when somebody asks you, like, why are you so hopeful? Look around you, the world stinks. Why are you so hopeful? He says, I think with some good advice, <laughs> be ready to say something. He calls it, be ready to defend yourself as to why you are hopeful. Be ready to bear witness that you love a gracious God and you are hopeful with the unfolding of history. This is the best kind of evangelism when somebody is asking you, is saying to you, hey, what's going on with you in your life? Let me hear, you know. That's the best kind where you're responding to somebody's query. Maybe they come up to you and say, listen, I know of all the grief you've been going through, I am so, so sorry for you. I can't imagine how you are getting along. You might be tempted to say thanks for noticing. But this is your invitation to say, well, yeah, it's been kind of hard, but I think I'm getting along because of God's love. I just feel surrounded by God's love. And maybe it sounds silly, but I just feel like Jesus is walking with me through this valley. And I think that's, that's why I can do this. Like Peter says, be ready to offer a statement, to bear your witness. So someone comes up to you and says, you know, I, I am just amazed that once a month you are out there feeding the hungry. I'm just amazed that you're, you're getting out in the streets and you're calling out for justice. How come you're doing all this work to try to better other people's lives? Don't you see that it's all going down the drain? We're doomed. Well, that's your opportunity to say, well, I'm, I'm kind of crazy like that. No, this is your opportunity to say, God is calling me out and equipping me. I'm strengthened by Jesus to work for the good, to help others have a life. Bear your witness when somebody wonders why it is you're teaching Sunday school every Sunday down there at that church, why you're ushering why you spend time as a mentor to youth. If they ask you, let them know. Let them know. Because sometimes people will wonder. These are your moments to bear witness, to find the words that are comfortable for you so that you can seize the opportunity as the Spirit presents it to you to share Jesus' story, to share your story, invite them to make it their story. Can I get an amen? Amen. Had to do it. So as we look forward to the future of our congregation, we're, uh, we're talking about growth, right? We're always talking about growth. We always think more people ought to be enjoying the love of God through Christ Jesus. So we're talking about growth. We're refurbishing our campus. We've 
Got the youth building almost done, looking great. Alton Hall is having stuff happening to it. We're refurbishing our campus. That's kind of cool, isn't it? I think we also, though, are refurbishing our souls. And that's why the leadership team thought that maybe it would be good to look straight at issues of discipleship and stewardship and talk to one another about how God's love has touched us and where that love is leading us and what might be our cutting edge of growth as a faithful person, as a disciple of Christ, how we might manifest that through how we live, our stewardship. So we're talking about stewardship, realizing that we have inherited things from the past, our physical campus, nearly our 50th anniversary. We're wanting to brighten it up, spruce it up for our anniversary, for our future, to empower ministries of tomorrow. Well, we're also here this very day, looking back in our own lives, and we're realizing that we are at this place as people individuals in a congregation because of people that came before us who taught us, who counseled us, who encouraged us, cried and cheered with us through the years. And we want to be the kind of disciple that can do that, passing it on to newer generations as they come along, helping to equip them in their faith. Our increased Stewardship of witness is a key to our growth individually and collectively. So, can I get a witness? Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.